Hello, all you podcast listeners. Merry Christmas. It's now it's uh, just afternoon on Christmas Day. And um, I'm here with, uh, I'd like to welcome you to uh, Knife Journal of the Podcast. My name is James Noka, and I'm with my my very ho-ho Merry Christmas partner in crime, Kyle Versteg. Yuppers. And this is episode 20. How about them oh, apples? You, you just sound so excited. <laughs> what'd, you get for, just, what'd you get for Christmas? What did I get for Christmas? I got... A, Santa was really, he stopped off at my house and was very happy with me. And he gave me a bottle of scotch that's 16 years old. Oh, my gosh. So I got a 16-year-old beauty for, for Christmas. Nice. Yeah. You'll be uh, enjoying that slowly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. No yep. With a cigar. With <laughs> no, 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 no. And you don't mix that with anything. Oh, never. Don't even... You don't even don't even bastardize it by putting an ice cube in it. No way. If you need it you know, cool, you just chill the thing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. some some people say that um, they they put a drop of water in it to to uh, release some of the flavors, but I'm I'm not I'm not my 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 palate like is not focus. <laughs> my my palate is not that uh, uh, it's discriminating, but it's not that discriminating that I could taste a drop of water in it. I, I honestly, there's already water in it. What's an extra drop gonna do? I, I don't know. Because it's I, a, it's a mixture of alcohol and water and and good stuff. <laughs> I, 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 yummy goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Hang on a second. I'll show you the bottle. Okay. Can you see that? Uh, hold it up a bit. So it's like Glen something or other. Uh, La Gouv. La Gavelin, Islay Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Is that good stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the very good stuff. That's awesome. This is this is your such a good boy stuff that it's not even it's it should almost be illegal. It probably is. <laughs> probably in some places, yeah. Well, it's illegal in your car at least. Yes. So. <laughs> it's illegal in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. So what'd you get? Oh, I got that uh, the uh, Optimus Svea stove, S-V-E-A. Uh, finally got one, and it's uh, like this sweet little stove. You're not supposed to use uh, anything but uh, white white gas in there, so like Coleman stove fuel and stuff. Otherwise, you'll blow yourself up. But uh stove has kind of an interesting history. It's uh it's been in use by like climbers for forever cuz it's like real real super uh super duper reliable and and uh performs really well at altitude. Um it is 500 and some grams which means it's like you know a little over a pound. So it's kind of heavy by modern standards, but still it's it's uh I didn't buy it for the weight. I bought it because it's made of solid brass. <laughs> you know what? And and I, I, it kind of cracks me up when I hear, well, it's it's pretty heavy. It's pretty this. It's pretty. But you know what? I, you put fuel in that. It's going to be just as heavy as a canister of fuel in a jet. Uh, one of the jet. Uh, um, what the hell's the name of that? What's the name of that? That. Oh, you mean like fire, an MSR? Or yeah. The yeah whisper yeah. light or. 
Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The whisper light. That's what it's called. You know, the when you. um, My dog. <laughs> when you fill these up with fuel, I don't see how they're that much heavier than. Than a than a whisper light and a and a canister of fuel. You know, I don't know. I could uh, I could weigh them. I mean, I, I know. But I the know thing is, in some. a in a canister of fuel, you're going to have like um, you're going to have like at least 500 milliliters of fuel. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And or you know, most of those canisters are like a liter. You know, so yeah, yeah the liter of fuel plus the whisper light might weigh as much as your stove. Is what this is what yeah. this stove weighs. But um, this stove, fully loaded, is is not going to have a liter of fuel. So there's no, there's no question that the empty MSR canister plus the stove weighs less than that thing. Yes. Empty. Yes, that's correct. But, but um, here's the curveball: What happens if this thing gets more burns more efficiently than the MSR stove? Uh, I don't know. Ah, so so let's say you can. See, and, and to me, I think that would be the measurement of the of the of the stove was how much, how fast, what, how much, how much water you can boil per kilogram of stove plus fuel. Yeah, so you'd have to have a the way to do it would be to have like a calorie output of the stove, right? Uh, and then um, you the probably the best way to do it would be to actually get like a liter of water in the same pot with the exact same volume of fuel or weight of fuel and then test them. But I don't have so the patience. So if you're, if, you're talking <laughs> about, if you're talking about the difference in weight, what would you think, a half a pound it's gonna between be more, the two? It's going to be more than a half a pound. Like by, by the time – because those, those MSR uh, fuel – This thing can, probably doesn't weigh a pound. No, it's 500 and some grams, which is, yeah, which well, is over a pound. pound? Because two point two. Okay, it's over a pound. Yeah, two point two pounds per kilogram. So it's like it's over a pound, just empty, just sitting there empty. So. Um, okay, I, but so again, you're talking about between about a pound? Weight. No, no, no. I know, I know, but I, I'm just thinking about the people that are all weight conscious. Okay. And I'm, t- me, I'm trying to get my get head wrapped around the weight consciousness of it. If you have, if you're, you're five hundred kilo, so. I mean, this thing, does it weigh a pound? What, the stove? Absolutely it does. I'm talking about the Svea stove. Yeah. Okay, so the whisper light, um, the whisper light with the fuel bottle, it's not much lighter. Honestly, <laughs> you were right. That's my I'm point. Wrong. It's, uh, it's 410 grams. Yeah. So you were right. Yeah, it- <laughs> but and, and what I'm, and what and I'm it's saying not nearly is, as cool as the Svea. <laughs> well, you know what else? And and this is the this is the part that that it always cracks me up because you have a unit like this that you can boil water as it stands. You you literally take the lid off it and you can boil water. Right. With a whisper light, what are you you talking? You got to take you put you got to put the fuel canister on it. You got to pump it up. You got to there's all of these other things you have to do, and then. When you get it started, if you don't use that aluminum foil thing around the outside of it, you you lose a lot of heat. Oh yeah, forget if it. The, like the windscreen thing. Yeah, yeah, those are um, terrible unless you use the windscreen. And don't ask me how I know that. Yeah, exactly. 
And that's a and that's the um, hang on a second. My I get the dogs are fighting. Hang on, I had to bust through the bust through the office and get in here. Um, but and that's my point. You're talking. Uh, well, did you say it was 410? Yeah, you're talking basically uh, a little over two ounces difference. Yeah. Um, which which you know some of these gram weenies. They're going to chimp scream when I say that you're going to pack an extra two ounces to have a cool-looking story. Those are the guys that peel all the labels off the tin cans. At the oh, period. yes, and they hollow out their toothbrushes and, like, I don't know, hide <laughs> weed in it. And probably pot smokers. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but, uh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like... I don't want to go there. No, me neither. After the last episode, <laughs> I had yeah. to edit out an well, hour... <laughs> Now, now, did you light up that that stove? I haven't yet because I just got it this morning. I haven't put full yeah. fuel in it yet, but I'm gonna. Yeah, this that's afternoon. that's pretty cool. You'll like that stove a lot. You'll like yeah. that stove a lot. I like I like the Optimus, the uh, the other one too, the Hiker. Uh huh. But that uh-huh. that one's, I I I could see hiking with the Svea, because um, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's if it's any heavier than a Coleman dual fuel, it's not by much, and. Uh, uh, oh, I don't think this is heavier than a dual fuel. Well, if if it is, um, and I'll have that number for you in a second, it's not going to be my much. Now we tried to figure that out last time we were talking about the stove. I couldn't find the weight of a dual fuel. Well, it won't be too hard. <laughs> Here we are talking about like <laughs> gear again. <laughs> ounces, ounces. Yeah, weenie stuff. Okay, so they're. Their Sportster 2 is kind of the new model um, of dual fuel. It has a 1.1 pint uh, fuel capacity. So it probably has that's quite a bit more. Yeah, that's a that's a butt ton of fuel, uh, and um, it really doesn't it doesn't give a weight. I should weigh mine. I don't know why. I well, and that was what I—that's what I ran across last time we were talking about this. I was like, yeah, "That's," because I think I put the the two. I mean, physically, it's bigger too. Yeah. I don't know. For me, knowing that this stove has climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, and done and done a lot of the mountaineering that people have done over the years. I don't think. Yeah, that there's nothing can, wrong with it. You know, it's yeah. a it's a tried and true. Proven design. It's a hundred bucks. Yeah. It's a what is it? One hundred and ten dollars. Yeah. How, how you can't beat it? Well, yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's pretty hard to beat. I mean, it really is. You know, the the other, one of the other things I got too for Christmas. It was kind of funny. I got a little Snow and Neely uh, um, campfire kindling axe or hatchet. Oh. A little small, small little dinky thing. You know. Cool. And the big the big deal is it's supposed to be made in America. Uh huh. And it's you know that's what they're touted as oh yeah they're made in America they're made, and they're nice I they're they're cheap they're inexpensive compared to a Grantsforth and uh, but they're made in America you know that's the that's the big mantra you you can actually buy them in hardware stores you know I mean they're you you can go to your local you know a lot of your a lot of hardware stores that sell some of the little better tools will have will have that stuff in it uh-huh. and uh, they. The kicker is, they're not made in America. <laughs> they're assembled in America. Yeah. They're they're com- by components that are made in guess oh China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, so if you're if you are all enamored with the Snow and Neely, you're <clears throat> assembled in America, acts, <clears throat> um, thinking that keep thinking that it's made in America. What, what do you think the uh, where do you think those like best made axes with uh, like hipster paint jobs and stuff on them are made? <laughs> Have you seen That's those? What well, you know what? Yeah. You know what my that's the 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 um I guess it's called their best. Yeah, it's not it's not uh best I don't think it's best made. Maybe yeah, it is. Well, there's you know there's that company the there's that company <clears throat> Best Made that's run by these hipsters that Isn't that Snow and Neely, isn't it? I don't know. I thought you Cuz cuz Snow and Neely's got stickers on them that say best on it. Huh. Best made company axes. Huh. No, it it it'd have a BMC stamp um, forged into it. They're charging three hundred and fifty bucks for a American felling axe with like some crazy um, paint job on the handle, like so you can like never swing it and. Never chip that. They look like they're they look like they're made in uh in Japan. The best mates? Yeah. Uh let's see. Design Isn't it just is that all best made all different things that are best made? Is that what that is about? We're talking what? about it is it a website? Best yeah, made what's company? The, it's a New York company that makes like hipster stuff. So like they'll take your axe and they'll like paint a bunch of crap on it and then like um you know, fancy it up, <laughs> you know, but it, it's it's like basically you go to a hardware store and buy a cheap axe and then like paint the handle and you end up with well, like a, an axe that's like cool because it's like $400 instead of like 30 <laughs> and it makes hipsters like geek out. Wow. Yeah. Well, these ones say start... they're, these ones say they're um, made in the USA, but you know, who knows? They, they like make like bags and stuff, and it's like some garbage that, you know, a canvas bag they charge like 124 bucks for, but it's like, you know, got like design features that like guys that want to wear like ironic t-shirts like go all crazy over. So, I would paint my axe handle like that though. Well, I painted my I painted my axe handle orange, um, on on the one when I refinished my grandpa's. Uh, well, I rehung my grandpa's axe and cleaned it up and did all this stuff to it, and I I painted it orange, the the just the very tip of the handle, um, just for. Uh, but that was well before Best Made was ever heard of. Maybe they saw my picture. <laughs> just kidding. I'm curious about that now. Now, <clears throat> Snow and Neely was at least. At least honest about. They do put a sticker on it that says components made in China. Huh. Now it's in an obscure place. Uh huh. And you have to kind of look for it, and eventually it'll fall off. If you didn't notice it, it would probably fall off. Huh. But but it's there. Can I ask you a question? Ask me a question. I'll do tell you, th- you no lies. Do you think um, uh, New York hipster? Has ever swung an axe ever at anything? 
Well, you know what? <clears throat> you got to remember that there is upstate New York. Yeah, but this these are like New York City, and the the it says like designed in New York City. It's like yeah, okay. So how about if I like design some like you know traffic control system for New York City living in Iowa? <laughs> Think I'm gonna know my <laughs> ass from a hole in the ground to do that? Like, if you've never swung an axe, maybe you should leave axe design to people who know what they're doing. Well. Instead of just designing it so that it looks cool. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, well, yeah, I guess they're right downtown. a very nice rant. <laughs> I, guess they're, I guess they're really right downtown, right? They? But they're just selling a bunch of crap to hipsters. Like, Hipster doofuses in an art studio. Well, and I hope that... Well, the Actually, co- they look like they have an art studio. Look at their workshop. That's pretty neat. In addition to offering a wide range of project products to enable our customers to get out there, get out and do good. Do good with an axe? Is that like Mother Teresa doing good? <laughs> like, I don't get it. I think maybe okay, they, do, they have do a, well. They have, a, they have adventure <laughs> trips. They have adventure trips or, of course, workshops, be it axe restoration, field medicine, or forged Foraged cocktail making. Foraged cocktail. <laughs> Somebody needs to put a toadstool in that cox- cocktail. Ah, I love that. For foraged. Foraged cocktail making. Put some now, I wonder if that means there. they're they're foraging around their <laughs> east side or their west side condo. Yeah. Rent controlled district condo. Yeah, and I'm uh, gonna go down to the liquor apartment. store and find like. Some secret uh, small batch bourbon. <clears throat> That's funny. And then slap like a new label on it and charge for it. That's times funny, as much. dude. You where did you how did you find this place? Like it's all the rage. Like like where all these, in Iowa? No, not here. God no. Like <laughs> we know better. Like that's like uh, the best made stuff. Isn't that funny though? <laughs> I never I've, I've never seen anything like I. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's baffling. Like, what are they going to use an axe for? Well, you know, you know that like Abercrombie and Fitch was, was like the premier, and you know, out of, I think they're out of Chicago. They were like the premier hunting store and fishing store. For real? It, true life. Back in the 30s and 40s, Skagel yeah, knives but now were, they like, they, or 50, actually, they were probably up into, look at, uh, Google Abercrombie and Fitch history and see if you can find something like that. The only thing I've ever seen of them is, like, you walk by the store in the mall and there's, like, this... And, like, all this cologne wafting out of there. No, no, that's a remake of it. If you... I don't even know how you spell Abercrombie. A-B-A's. If you go... And find some about some of the history of that company. You'd be you would be thoroughly amazed. I mean, they were like a gun shop. Wow. They sold they sold knives. Hey, maybe uh, I should uh, maybe I should make my company into a like a teeny bopper like. <laughs> 1892 was wow. when they started, and they were they were like the premier like safari outfitters. Wow. Probably Mr. Abercrombie and Mr. Fitch would like vomit if they saw that, be, what it's become now. Be of course, of course, who knows? They could have been just got two guys that were just selling people that selling things that they could sell at the time. Yeah, you know. And let's face it, in in our era, um, 
try selling. How many canvas tent companies are there? Oh, I don't know. Probably half a dozen. Exactly. Back then, there probably was way more. Yeah, lots and lots. I mean, you look at those those businesses back there, back then. David Abercrombie founded A&F in 1892 as an upscale sporting goods store. So, like, yep. what's an upscale sporting goods store today? Um... Cabela's? No, they're they're very everyman. Cabela's? Yeah, they have uh, they have some upscale stuff. Yeah, they, they do. They clothes. they have well they they have some expensive guns. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't and, and say that's what that. This, yeah, and that's what this company did. You know they they uh they sold. I'm trying to think like the I'm trying to think of what like we have Jays. That has two stores. That has real expensive stuff. You know, they carry Woolrich and they like they carry Filson. Well, so yeah, I like, guess you know, Cabela's Cabela's carries all that, but then they yeah. carry the cheap stuff too. Yeah, but not yeah. quite Walmart level, but still some of the cheap stuff. Yep, yep. I guess and, I did and, buy uh, a good wool shirt there. It says prominent figures who patronized the company in this excursion goods day of the early 20th century include Teddy Roosevelt, hey, Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart, Greta Garbo, Catherine Hepburn, Clark Gable, okay, well, Steinbeck, they just lost John there. F. Kennedy, <laughs> Ernest Shackleton. Shackleton uh, was a, a badass. Yeah, Dwight Eisenhower, Cole Porter. You know, so I, I think that I think that that's you know, if you look at their catalogs from way back then, you'd laugh. I mean, you'd 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 go, oh my god, I I want to be in this store so bad. Yeah, probably. It's, it's not even funny because it's like, you know, they sold Old Town Canoes. They sold, um, you know, uh, just all the good stuff. All the real huh. good stuff they sold. Good axes, real. And pro- you know. Probably a lot of it was catalog sales, too, back in in olden times like that. Yep, yep, yep. 400 and 500 page catalog shipped 50,000 copies. Wow. Were sold in 1909. They hadn't even like invented the horse back then. <laughs> <laughs> he I'm said kidding. that they had eight, eighteen thousand fishing lures. Wow! What are you going to do with that many fishing lures? Eighteen thousand fishing lures. Abercrombie and Finch was the first American store to import mahjong. What's that? The game. Oh, mahjong. The game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the all, all like my older female relatives play that. So, yep. And they they gamble terrible on it, but they say it's not gambling. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, it's gambling. <laughs> it's just it's a more complicated game than, or it looks like it's more sophisticated and complicated than when I sit around and play Texas Hold'em and steal everyone's money. So yeah, it's it's got an interesting history. Google that. I think you'll find that you'll find that intriguing. I bet, and a lot of people, I bet you don't realize that 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 I didn't. Yeah, and you know what's what's funny about if I was to go back in time and could pick any period that I could live in, 1903 would have been. I would have loved to have You're been creeping a, up on the First World War there, though, Chief. Yeah, that's right. I would have loved to have been a um a man of about 20 years old in 1903. Yeah, that was that was that would have been that's you, the and then you might me, have been the, made an officer in World War One and you wouldn't have probably gotten your guts blown <laughs> out by artillery yeah. shells and stuff. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't just just to think about the about that period of time. I think if I if you know you're you're talking about the <clears throat> the beginning of modern rifle calibers, smokeless powder. Wow. Um, knife blades that were uh that were you know like Webster yeah, your Marble marbles. era. Your mar- my marbles, marbles are guys. coming up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about good. Good, uh, good equipment was the was the need, and not a, and you didn't have a lot of it. Those yeah. were the days of wool and and buckskin and uh, leather, leather underwear. Yeah, <laughs> leather underwear, leather thongs I, for all you I, uh, and buckskin pants for all you yeah. bushcrafters out there. Assless chaps. Yeah, that's what you need to wear. <laughs> now, don't be chimp screaming at us just because that's what you wear. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I don't like ashless chaps, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that's a, but that's a, uh, you know, horseback and pack mules and you know, chuck wagon cooking and yeah, you know, just that period of time. I just am, am so intrigued by that. I, I think um, I think either of us would have been just fine in that mm-hmm. in under those circumstances. Yep, yep. And then we could have been moving out to. Uh, California, out to, you know, moving west, moving to Alaska. Just imagine if you got a whole crap ton of land up by Jackson Hole right around that time. Yeah, Nobody yeah, knew exactly. what it was. Exactly. You'd be a billionaire today. Exactly. But, well, and you know what? During that period of time, that's where a lot of America's wealth was made. Yeah, by by doing that, moving west and being yeah, in the right oil, place, right time. and Oil and, 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 and getting a go. You know, just having the... Having that uh, the dream that you could actually do something, you know, and I think that a lot of people lose that today. You know, they during that period of time when you went to college, you became educated. Mm-hmm. You didn't learn you didn't learn a trade in college. You became educated, mm-hmm. and when you finally found something that you wanted to do, you either learned it the hard way or somebody took you under their wing and taught you. You apprenticed mm-hmm. and learned a trade that way. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, today you go to college, if you're even, you know, if you're want to be a machinist, you have to go to college and learn how to be a machinist now or learn how to be a, you know, there it's like they're, it's the, like the, the apprenticeships almost, have definitely dried up. <coughs> right. They're, they're, you know, my situation's a little different. I, you learn surgery basically by doing apprenticeship. You right. Know, that's what a residency is. So I, I kind of learned things that way, but, uh, um, and uh, as far as, like, the idea of going out and doing things and doing big things, I'd started three successful companies before I was 40, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that a lot of people are still kind of that way. It's just not the norm anymore. Back then, I don't know. I didn't live then, but I, it sounds like it was much more the norm than it is now. Of course, you didn't have income tax before 1913. There you go. Which we don't want to – I don't want to get into that again because <laughs> – I'll have to edit out another hour of freaking podcast because <laughs> we're but, just going to aggravate people. Yeah, and get angry that, tweets that from is, hipsters. That's yeah, the next but that is people we're going to aggravate. Yeah, but that is true though. I mean that that was, uh, it, you know, and and I know that 1903 probably was a was a rough period of time in the in a lot oh. of the cities. It was a rough period of time in health wise. People died for 
at very young ages. Mm-hmm. There's no penicillin back then, doctor. No pen, no penicillin back then, so infections were. And if you undergo uh, an operation, ooh, 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 ooh. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what they were saying: a flesh wound during during the Civil War, and probably up until the the you know when when was penicillin? 1920s. 19, I, uh, widespread use was, I think, even later than that. Well, I know um, they, they never really. So I give the right well, look, answer. World War II, they were still using sulfur. Yeah, well, and mercurochrome and all that. Uh, I think it. I I have an opinion I mean, of when that started. Um, I, I want to see I if I'm say right that, before I say it. I want to say, wasn't it? Uh, uh, I I thought it was. I thought it was in the twenties. Nineteen forty-one was when it was first kind of industrialized. So very first part of. I mean, it's been used. Um, different different things have been used prior to that, like molds right. and things. But but bef- it was industrialized in 1941 to 1943 in the USA. Yeah, yeah. So that was, but but I think, and they started using it in the in World War Two. I I do remember yeah. that. But they were using sulfur a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, in in World War One, and um, here's a little wilderness medicine for you people. Everybody's always asking me to do wilderness medicine videos, but I do videos and stuff I'm interested in. <laughs> and I'm just, it's, I have to do work all the time. I, why do I want to bring my work and put that <laughs> as part of my YouTube video? So this, this one time I'm going to give you a little history and a little wilderness medicine. So, um, World War One, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to hear me clicking here so that I get dates right and stuff. Um, and I, I want to make sure that we get the, the history exactly right. So there's this guy. His name is Henry Drysdale Dakin, D-A-K-I-N. And he, uh, um, was English, um, was born in London, died in the United States. Uh, but he was a guy who was a, a chemist and did all these sorts of things. But he, during World War One, um, that's, Really, that's when you saw the the first modern war machinery being used. So you had, as opposed to like cannonballs and like occasionally some explosive rounds, you had rounds out of cannons. Um, one of the doomsday guns that that uh, Germany employed during World War One, uh, they described it, and it's crazy. It it it, it fired a a round that was as big as any of the guns currently on our battleships. So, you know, it's like the size of a Volkswagen, weighs a ton, and it's packed with high explosives, and you can fire at 30 miles. So in World War I um, was one of the first times that you started seeing these injuries with um, high explosives, where when a high explosive hits the ground next to somebody, it'll just obliterate them, but it also throws dirt and... And all these other things under high pressure into wounds. It's very hard to scrub all that stuff out of there. And you don't necessarily want to cut it all out um, because you're going to damage a lot of tissue that would probably be viable otherwise. But then the problem is um, you get these horrible, horrible, horrible infections. And this uh, Dakin character um, developed a um, solution with uh, a little bleach and uh, a little boric acid. Um, but you know, you don't, I don't think you need the boric acid in there. There's a, there's a link on Ohio State University's website for, 
uh, for uh, Dakin's solution, and Jim's dog is going crazy. And it's like, you know, I don't want to quote you the wrong recipe, so just go ahead and look it up. But basically, what he did was he took this Dakin solution and he would wet down uh, gauze dressings and put them into the wounds, and then that would kind of would would kill a lot of the clostridium and all the other wound infections that they were getting. And as it dried, the dirt and stuff would dry to the gauze, and then you pull the gauze out. So Dakin's solution was. Uh, World War One, and probably if you had a relative who was injured in World War One, you are alive today because of Dakin's solution. Um, that's how big of an effect it had, and I use it today um, very frequently in my modern day plastic surgery practice. So that's a little wilderness medicine. If you want to carry a little uh, bleach, and uh, before the end of the podcast, I'll give you the exact recipe. <clears throat> Um, but that's, that's bleach good is, stuff Bleach for is you. good stuff. Bleach is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Bleach is very good stuff. Well, so back to the penicillin. That was World War I, World War Two. Yep. How do we even get there? Oh, because we were, I was, you were talking about how nice it'd be to live in. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So here's what you want. In a quart of water, uh... I'd prefer that you use one-eighth strength Dakins because that's been scientifically proven to be better. Um, it doesn't inhibit fibroblasts and other things and other cells and wound healing as much. You need um, two and a half teaspoons of bleach in one quart of water. And then uh, um, you can add a, a quarter, a half teaspoon of baking soda to that. Anyway, that's Dakin's solution. So we that are, stuff will save your life. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, um, so, if you you know on the on the Amazon 5000 expedition, we had a little thing of bleach um, for just such terrible eventualities. So they had ways of dealing with infection back then, but um, not not the systemic. So you take a pill and it goes all throughout your body that we do today. And we're rapidly approaching the point where we're going to be back to just using those. Old school remedies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, uh, oh, wait, no. Obamacare will save us all. Yep, and I'm, and I'm definitely not going there. <laughs> did, you, did you sign up? Did you sign up? I, I already have my own health. I already bought it, like, a long Yeah, but when I started my get, practice. You didn't get canceled? No, because um, my plan already met all of their things uh-huh. and exceeded. Because uh-huh. I've got a family, so I did. It had all the stuff they were they were wanting. It it has been getting more expensive though. <coughs> My dog, that dog is gonna. Yeah. Give me that shocker. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're gonna talk about folders. Yeah, because uh, a lot of times we we focus on fixed blades, but. Uh, uh, you know, we probably use folders more than, at least I do, I, more than a fixed blade. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do quite a bit. Um, I do quite a bit. So I got a, I got an email from uh, Three Sisters Forge about the, uh, he's got a new folder coming out. It's a four-inch folder, and if, if he sent out an email on uh, Christmas Eve asking for name suggestions, and then bunch of people sent a bunch of stuff in, and he chose the name Gorgon, G-O-R-G-O-N. And 
listen. Um, my suggestion was vet because the knife kind of looks like a Corvette to me, and it's also a nod to the armed forces, but it didn't get chosen. Um, he, Gorgon? Gor- what is a Gorgon? He says it's a mythical female beast. Like, I don't know what they're up to. Probably something naughty. He should have named a it the mythical, nymph. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, a mythical female beast. Yeah. Now there's nothing like a woman on... Yeah, I'm cutting that out. Um, <laughs> so, uh... The... Okay, so when you cut that out, just cut... Just cut what I said. Honk it out, beep it out. Roar it out, do whatever, and then just leave leave what you said in there. Okay. And just, yeah, I've cut that out. Yeah, yeah. The um, he's, <coughs> He says that metal, he's going to make it either an S35 NV or 154 CPM. Uh, blade thickness. Okay, so that's a that's a typo because it should be S35 VN. Uh, VN. Right. Well, say, so say it again. S, S35 NV is the way he's got it written. So it's got to be VN. Yeah, it's, it's, cause yeah, it's, it's a, VN. Yeah. But um, he's talking about using a .175 thickness blade, but he says a few people are wanting 3 sixteenths, um, which is .1875. Uh, and he, he acknowledges that with that thicker blade, you have problems with uh, grind bevel angles and increased mass, etc. And we'll get to that. But then his frame is going to be titanium uh, in the thickness of 0.15 to 0.16. And, you know, some tech, his usual texturing and all these sorts of things. And um, uh, pricing it at um, 450 bucks. So, um, and then I sent you a picture. Yeah. So how, yep. why don't you describe, why don't you describe um, the, the blade shape and um, these sorts of things? Okay, now i got to get that up again. Okay, so what we're looking at is a uh, a spear point style blade with a ramp. Thumb ramp. Um, with a thumb ramp, yep. And It's not <coughs> super aggressive, though, the thumb ramp, but it's yeah. there. It makes it look like a, like a bird head. Uh-huh. I mean, if you look at that, if you look at that blade, it looks like, like a macaw head. Yeah, okay. I'm seeing it now, like a big evil duck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with a with an eye yeah. where the thumb stud is. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I you know, I don't I like a spear point. Yeah. I do like it. And you don't see a lot of spear point folders. There's um for for whatever reason, I don't know why, but uh maybe it's the design element. Um lowers the point to the center line of the knife. Right. <clears throat> And that seems to be what a lot of people want to achieve with a sta- with a uh, for stabbing. Gives it kind of an, a stiletto look. I because like I everybody look at that. everybody does that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, for it, the reality is though, spear point blades are, um, they they drill a little easier mm-hmm. when you're using the point for a drill. Mm-hmm. Um, they do they do a lot of things, you know, a little bit easier. Well, my issue with this, with that blade, is not a lot. I, I don't have a lot that I think is wrong with it. I would, I would, um, 
I would make the thumb uh, where the lock is on the on the opposite, opposite scale. I would make that cut out so that you can you can close the knife a little easier. Yeah. So the non the non lock side of the side. frame. Um, has a little bit of a cutout to it. Yeah, well, on on the on the beast, there is a cutout on that side, but the cutout on the um, on the non-lock side is exactly the same height as on the lock side. And um, right. when I gave Jim the lefty beast, he had the the uh, <laughs> the scale on basically the scale side milled down just a little bit so that the lock side sticks up just a little bit so that your thumb has something to grab onto. And Instead of having to push down in the slot to get it. Right. It it actually has you have a little it's a little easier to unlock it. Yeah. And I, and I, and I would do that to this blade. There's no yeah. question about it. Yep. Um and I would uh um I mean I, I do I do like the lines of the of the blade. Uh-huh. But I but I think it's I think it's too thick. Okay. I think I think if you were to take that and make it a full flat grind, I would I would think that he would get a little better cutting geometry with it. I think it it'd um, be hard to make it a full flat grind with the with the blade shape though with the ramp well, on there no, and would, all that. Well, I would no, I would flat grind it up to the thumb stud. Okay. And then I would and then I would take the swedge out of it, out of the flat grind, and you would still achieve that same look. But you would not, uh, you would not have the. Um, I mean, he's mostly there now. Yeah. And and the problem is, is that if you're if you're um, if he's hollow grinding that, which he has on the beast, it's 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 not gonna. It's too thick of a blade for that. I I I don't I I find those blades a little bit too thick when they do that. Yeah. Um. See, like this guy. This is a fairly thick blade. What's the what's the blade so people this can? Is, uh... This is a um, okay. So this is a knife that's designed by uh, Neil Neil Blackwood, and it's a it's a big knife. It's a heavy bladed knife. But what they've done is they they've got a, a real tall hollow grind that is it's almost flat. Hmm. I mean, it's such a a shallow hollow that it almost looks flat. So what happens is you have a great, you have a, you have a, about as good a cutting geometry as you can get with a, um, with a hollow grind. Okay, we had some kind of technical difficulty. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but we lost our internet. Well, we're back now. So he he's we're describing back. a, uh, a a flat grind that goes all the way up to the thumb stud. And yeah, the, and that's what and that's what I would like to see with the, in that blade is a is that with, with a very oh. very shallow hollow is on the Neil Blackwood design is the only yeah. difference. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I do think um, I I'm gonna have to agree with that. Um, there is there is one other difference between that design and the Lefty Beast, and that's that the the angle between the blade and the handle if you look at a lefty beast the blade mm-hmm. is somewhat downswept from the handle whereas on this right. new one it's it's absolutely straight across right so that's a difference um in anything else uh so you would well, change the it, edge geometry I mean, and make a, the blade thinner yeah and and you know what that's a um uh that this knife is 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 not a beast it's a it's it's not it shouldn't even be because the blade angle is a little bit different. Uh, you know, 
it should be uh, maybe named something different than a beast because it's it's. I don't see that. I don't see that even in the same family of knives. You mean the new one he's making? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the blade shape the is Gorgon. not. Yeah, the blade shape is not even the same or, no, or yeah, nothing. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's including a ramp. I mean, there's all sorts of things that it's doing. There's a, a lot of features on that that are not on the beast. Yeah. Um. I I think that I think that the 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 grind should be. Um. Either I mean. E- one of two things: either the blade has to be thinner, or the grind has to be higher. One of the two, uh-huh. because it's because it's it's uh, if it's as thick as what he's talking about, I think that that it's not going to be a very good performer. The other thing that we talked about was was what kind of dollars he was going to charge for that. Well, can I can I give my thoughts and then we'll talk about the price point? Yeah. Okay. okay so I I absolutely agree. Um, for the geometry that he's drawn out, that's way too thick. Um, I think what I think about the stuff that I actually use my folders for, and I actually do use my folders and, um, the, the most I'm going to be, most stuff I'm going to be doing with those are, is slicing tasks and then maybe using the tip to like, you know, bore a hole or something, but that's kind of a rare thing, you know? So, so basically what I want is a, is something that is thin enough that I can reliably clean a fish or other game with. You know, mm-hmm. if you start if you start getting into these crazy thick blades with um, pretty pretty low um, bevels, you know, so th- that that means that the grind angle on that is going to be so steep that it's going to be basically like you're using a cleaver to try to do a slicing task. You know, and I, I get that there's an aesthetic um, that you're kind of going for with where you place the grind angles, but with that thick of a blade, um, it's not going to perform like I want it. Um, the other thing, and I'm going to just throw something crazy out here, just I'm just going to go crazy with it, is <laughs> I, I want him to back at the heel of the blade, um, where his little Ricasso is there. Um, uh-huh have have that come down a bit so that it's a very subtle little sl- flipper thing for the top. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So yep. that so that this could be you could potentially have a titanium frame lock flipper because he's basically got a, a perfectly good working um titanium frame lock at a much better price point. His, you know the the price point on the other titanium frame lock is was like 350 bucks or something when I bought mine. And that was really pushing it for me to spend that much money. Um, again, on the, on dropping the, uh, grinding down the little spot, um, on the non-frame lock scale, that's pretty much essential. Um, if you're gonna, if, if, if I'm gonna pay that much money, I'm pretty much gonna expect that. And, um, a knife where you can see that done to perfection is the Sabenza because the Sabenza has that feature and it's real easy to unlock and those sorts of things like that. Um, so, uh, what do you think about the price point? 450 uh, bucks. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around the, the, um, uh, I'm still getting my head wrapped around the, uh, um, the making it a flipper. I I know that's not that's not for everybody, but it wouldn't it would not take much 
to to just have a version of it where the, just the back of the you just change it just a little bit so you just that the back by the heel of the the blade there just just leave that unsharpened and leave it a little bit taller and then put in a sharpening notch and start your blade in front of that I mean it really wouldn't be thing, hard to execute and then the other thing remember mm-hmm. remember when we were talking about the blade detent mm-hmm. and unlocking it mm-hmm. and having that second bump mm-hmm. I'd want to make sure that he does that either like that little that little starting ramp yeah when you get past the blade the detent ball yeah and then there's like a second little bump in there that you feel yeah yeah yep yep I'd like to see him I'd like to see him execute that uh properly well or at least better well um, he didn't do it at all on this yeah you know he didn't do it at all like this and I think that I think that that's I think you have to master several things before you start at throwing on additional uh, features, uh-huh. and and I think that I think that that's one of them that needs to be um, the lock mechanism. I think needs to be um, a proper execution on that before you move on to, uh, and and he could do it with this. I mean, I'd like to see him correct the things that that are wrong with the beast. In his knife making moving forward career, what um, what as far as the as far as the lockup where where on so if the blade is um, so, so how, like what percentage a, of the blade do you want the lock mechanism to travel through when it locks up? Oh oh, and, that, and that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about what what I am talking about is when you open the when you when you unlock the blade uh-huh. and you go to close it. Uh huh. There's a the detent ball. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right there. I feel that. Hits that. Yeah. Okay. And if that if if this is done properly, there'll be a, there would be a ramp there. Oh, I see so what that, you're saying. So the, that the yep. detent ball would not go would not you'd not bump into the detent ball, you would ramp up the detent ball. Right. And then close it. So you would really not you wouldn't you would even just notice feel it. A little, yeah, you would feel a little bit of resistance. At that point, but nothing like you feel now. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it allows you to, to easily close the blade with one hand. Now, now I'm now I'm putting pressure on it, and and getting it dangerously close to my finger when I'm doing that. Yeah, because as it's, a, you know it's it, well, as opposed because I got to hold the lock. Yeah, you got to hold the lock over until it gets started, and then it then it'll yeah. all of a sudden yep. s- spring forward and yeah yeah, yeah. and so so I uh, you know. And that's where, because I know that making a flipper is not as easy as just putting a little tab on the bottom of it. No, there's a, there's yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot that goes into that, and 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 I think as a knife maker, before you can progress to that, you need to execute some of these other things a little better. That's just that's just me. <laughs> well, and and then the other thing, and then um, and then address the price point. Yeah. You know, I get that on I, I get that on a four hundred dollar Sabenza. Yeah, yeah, a four hundred dollar Sabenza like has all of those things, right. Like fixed, right? Like there's exactly. no problem with them. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah, I guess I'd I guess I'd have to see the knife. It, it's not something and, I'm going to buy sight unseen. No way. Right. And the other thing, the other thing too, and and I don't want him to get the, the wrong idea. I I like the looks of this knife. Yeah. I, I 
I I have a soft spot in my heart for spear point blades. Mm-hmm. I do like that look. You know, it's uh when the when the when a frame lock is executed well, every that everything clicks on it, then it's a home run. Then you can get Chris Reeve price. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if I look at this compare, I mean, why am I buying this knife? Yeah, why would I pay fifty dollars I mean, more for this than I would for a Sabenza? Is it, fi- right. it and it's going to have to be fifty dollars better, and it can't just be because I like the guy. Right, and it can't be because I like the blade shape. Yeah, because I can you get know, that there's... blade shape in a well, like um, what's Columbia the hinderer one? Tool. Yeah, Clum- yeah. Columbia River makes one. Hang on a second, I got one. But, I mean, I think I paid $400 for this. What's that? Back in the day. I shouldn't have said that, I suppose. It's a Tom Mayo. It's a, it's a, what the hell did he call it? It's a TNT. Okay. This, I, I, I've had this for quite a few years. This is a, this is a, um, a titanium and talonite. It's got a talonite blade. Oh, yeah, that's that magic stuff, right? You can't even yeah. get that anymore. That's probably worth a lot more than you paid for it now. Well, I had to laugh. Tom and I were talking at, uh, I think, at the Blade Show a couple years back, and he's and I showed it, pulled it out of my pocket, and I showed it to him. And he started laughing, and he said, you want to sell that? He said, I'll probably get you 1500 bucks on my table yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> that's like you can't even get you can't even get that steel anymore. It's like crazy. No. Yeah. Well, it's not steel. It's uh, well, whatever it is, that material. It's, it's non. Say. It's, it's non-magnetic. Actually, mine isn't even talonite. It's stellite. Okay. Six K stellite. Wow. But I this was the knife that uh, that I bent almost a ninety degree angle uh-huh. in the in the blade. Yeah. And I freaked out, and he called, and I called him up, and he said, "Oh, just see if you can bend it back." He said, "He said, he said, but you're gonna have to send it back to me." And, uh, you know, I bent it back, and you can't even see it in the edge at wow. all. I never sent it back to him, and it's it you, you can never, I don't know. I guess if you hold it on the right angle, you can see a, a, a little something in there. Waviness or something. Yeah, but you can't really, I mean, you can't tell by by just looking at it. I mean, you have to really, really look at it. And even then, I don't even know as you'd know what you were looking at. No, you'd have to. I mean, it almost it looks like a, like, like a, a like a scratch in the blade or a flaw in the finish. It's not even a scratch. It's it's like a buff mark in the blade, maybe. Huh. But you'd, you'd never, you would never notice it. Um, but you know, Tom can get that kind of money for a blade. Yeah. You know, because he because he's he's a perfectionist like that. Tell your wife I said hi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She waved at me. Yeah, she did. And um, but I think that uh, and I, and I don't want to diss the beast because I because it is a nice knife. Um, but there are things with it that are that are just not perfect that need to be addressed. Yeah, that I'm I, and I'm not paying more for another. I I, I want, I'm not buying another one sight unseen. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have one in my hand before I pay out 450 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know that at that point you're you're in the range where I'm not gonna be 
I'm not going right. to be sending anybody 450 bucks for a product right. that that I that's a new release. Now, th- now that being said, I actually do own another beast um, with a Damascus blade, so I actually paid 500 bucks for that. But um, again, I like the guy. I like the beast, um, and I know that anything that's going on with it, I can uh, bring up to uh, Bark River and have their wizards uh, wave a magic wand. What you got there? ZT03 something or other? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what number it is. but It's the flipper one. Yeah, it's a 302. Yeah. That's with, uh, that's, uh, Strider had something to do with that, right? Yeah, this is a I want, S30B I wonder if he stabbed blade. it. In. <laughs> should I, I don't know. Should I cut that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I better I, not. I better cut that out. I, I, but actually, Ken Onion had something to do with this too. Oh he yeah. Was, he was part designer. I like his stuff. That new, uh, that new one. What's that one you've got? The one that's got the clip on the back. That thing is a oh, little crazy. Oh, that's a Columbia Columbia River knife and tool. Yeah. Yep, Columbia River knife and tool. You know what this is? Which one is that? Your Sebi? Yeah, the twenty-one. Yeah. This is the older one. Is it? Looks like yeah. the twenty-one. This is the. No, this is the. Oh yeah, that's the old one. The old style. Notice how my blade is no longer uh, buffed. I mean, it's 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 polished now. Yeah, yeah. I had some acid on it, and it etched it. Oh, okay. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, we I tried see to clean it little, out. Little things there, yeah. Little dots there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what kind of what I got into, but I got into something, and it stained the blade pretty good. Mm-hmm. I tried to clean that out, but this is one of the one of the Lanyards I made. Oh, That's like a monkey's thing. fist. Good and God. See, there's there's the one on the bottom. Yeah. Well, that's the normal one. What's that one on steroids up top there? Oh, it's a slider. How'd you do that? <laughs> I tied a monkey fist on the on oh, okay. the lanyard. Yeah, yeah. And so it's got a it's got a uh, a slider on it. Nice. I don't remember how I did that. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I have to be really careful. If I do any any if I buff it or I clean it on a machine, because having this on while you're doing that is very dangerous. Yeah, and you don't want to cut it because then you'd have well, to figure and out I, how and to I don't retie want to cut it. it I, exactly, <laughs> I have to remember how 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 the heck I retied it. I think I could probably thread it back off and back on again, but I don't want to mess with it. Yeah. So that's kind of one of those fun ones that when you when you you know this this knot. Is, I, I can't remember what this knot is called. That's a uh, uh, Chinese uh, lanyard knot. It's it's the classic uh, lanyard knot. You can see it at um, tying it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, when people, you know, these are starting to show up on knives now. You start seeing the, rare that knot. though, rare. I, I when I started when I was walking around with those, people would always be asking me what that was. But now you're starting to see them more and more. And then so so and that's what prompted this. Yeah, the little monkey was, knot was because slider. this yeah because everybody was like oh that's cool but you know I'm I can do that now I know how to do that yeah but can you do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they go ah yeah that, that'll so, uh, so that's kind of what that's one of those funny ones that'll bring out some knife ninja tears yep for sure. that's one of those funny ones yeah.
All right, so so we've properly pissed off this guy. No, I, I, I said good stuff. I, I, I bought two freaking beasts from the guy. What do you want? I've spent, like, you know, freaking 850 bucks with his company. You know, I'm obviously I'm a believer, but the I'm... monster came back in. Uh-oh. The new, the, new, Holland, the new design, though, I'm going to have to see it, because it is more pricey than a Sabenza. I'll buy a Sabenza sight unseen, um, because I'd held a whole bunch of them before I ever bought one. And, and that's the and that's the that's the way that knife is. When somebody can execute, and when the um, he wins an award every year, and he's he's won it probably the last five, six, seven years, maybe I don't even know. Mm-hmm. From but it's like the uh, production. The hell is that award that he wins all the time? It's like the best production. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is, is like other knife companies, when they release a knife, they call it their Sabenza killer. Why do you suppose right. that is? Because the Sabenza is the standard by which all the other ones are judged, you know. So if yeah. the, if the standard yeah. is 400 bucks and you're charging 450, um, yeah, 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 you you, uh, you better just make sure that that sucker is uh, is actually knocking the Sabenza down. Yeah, and that's the that's the uh, that's what it has to be. If you are um, if you're going to go up against that knife, you need to be it needs to be every bit as good or better than that knife, and it has to be markedly better for for fifty bucks more. I'm, I mean. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the other thing is, is like, if I'm if I'm in the four hundred and fifty dollar price range, um, I'm I'm not going to buy it if the if the if I can't use it, you know the the blade geometry and the edge geometry and the way it cuts is going to have to be good, you know. You know, I would love, I would love for Chris Reeve to come out with. A flat ground blade again is because because originally they were uh-huh and <clears throat> I would that, I mean that to me would be the that would be the the perfect knife for me would be a flat grind ground sabenza uh-huh well you got anything else on your on your plate um did I show you these? Skunks. Oh yeah, those are your skunk mitts. <laughs> these are these are my for my wife. Those are awesome. Those are those. Uh, it's uh, like a trapper's glove or something, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huh. Hang on a second. I'm gonna see if I wanna make sure you're seeing. What the hell? What did I just do? I closed everything now. I'm, I've lost you. I lost your image. Well, I'm here. There you go. There you are now. Somehow or another, I just. But there, have you seen? Yeah, it's you? a. No, you know, you told me about them though. It's like skunk okay. mitts. Okay. Yes, they're it's they're it's skunk, and it's lined with um. It's skunk and it's lined with uh, lamb lamb wool. Yeah. So shear so shearling liner, and uh, my wife hates them. 
She doesn't. Well, they're yours now. <laughs> well, they don't. They don't really fit me. They're too small for me. But they're. But she hates them. She hates, She's like, I don't want to put skunks on my hands. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Those and are awesome. <laughs> and you know what? They're they're probably so warm it's not even funny. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do with them. I, I mean, I'd like to find her. When I went looking for these, I wanted to get her muskrat ones. Okay. Musk, muskrat ones or um, beaver. The beaver ones are really good. Yeah. I, I have a beaver hat. You know that, right? I have uh, I have like a beaver hat, but not like furry beaver hat. I have like a beaver hat that's like, you know, felt like like that one up there. Yeah, no, no, no. Hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. I have a beaver hat that makes me speak Russian. Yeah, yeah. So you're he's rocking this like old school Charles Bronson Mad Trapper hat here. It's awesome. Yeah. It is it makes me speak Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I love this hat. This hat I wear when it's twenty two below zero. <laughs> there you go. And, and it's the only thing that'll keep my head warm. If it's any warmer than that, I, I mean like right now I gotta even take it off because it's I'm sweating. I'm freaking sweating. <laughs> This big crazy that's how, that's how bad hat. It but this thing is, I mean, it's got ear flaps and it's got, I mean, Whoa. it's. I mean, I kid you not. When you're in, the, when you live in the Arctic tundra, this is what you have to have. Yeah, well, it's like the it, basically look up um, the Mad Trapper of uh, Rat River or something is his name. It's that hat basically. <laughs> it is. It is, and it is warm and and. Uh, if you're outside for any length of time, uh, when it's when it's 22 below, that's the kind of hat you need. Yeah, yeah. You can pull it down over your ears, and and it works really, really, really well. Um, anyway, so I was kind of looking for um, I was looking for beaver mitts uh-huh. for her, and they were they were out of them. Oh but yeah. But they had but they had this chestnut. And I've never seen a chestnut skunk. I don't know if you've ever seen a chestnut skunk. No, but, not even in roadkill. Um, yeah, I know. And well, and it's kind of funny because we actually have we have an area north of us a little ways that has white skunks. It's like it's oh, like you wow. see white white skunk roadkill. Huh. Um, and and it's comical because we were talking. I was at the hardware this fall, and I said, you know, I said I just saw a white. Um, I just saw a white skunk that got hit by a car. Yeah. And and the kid in the hardware store said, oh, you must have been up by Levering, oh. which is north of me about, you know, five, six miles, seven miles. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. I said, how did you know that? He said, well, there's, it's kind of weird. He said, there must be like a tribe of them up there. He said, because that's the only place I've ever seen a white skunk. And he said, and there's a lot of them up there. Yeah. Yeah, so, they, you get these weird mutations. Like around where I'm at, there's uh, the sun, rarely, but uh, I've seen them, you see a squirrel with a white tail. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you get weird mutations that are passed down for a while, and that that's kind of neat. Yeah, so so this is these are chestnut, and like I said, I've never seen a chestnut skunk. Usually yeah. they're pretty black and white, maybe some more white than black, but... but uh, but I'd never seen it, so so I was like, oh, I'll get those. Those are kind of cool, you know. And they have that that wool lining in them. Uh-huh. They're it's shearling lining. And I was like, oh yeah, twenty two below. Well, you'll laugh at the cold with these on. <laughs> People so laugh opened, at you too. <laughs> well, she she opened them up and she was like, oh, yeah, well, 
Okay. <laughs> I was like, what's the matter? She's like, I don't want to wear skunks on my hand. <laughs> so I was all like, ah. I was all butt hurt. <laughs> you want to hear a funny uh, skunk story? So uh, I was in uh, camping in a state park with a with a college buddy of mine, and uh, it was just overrun with skunks. And they, these suckers were just bold. Like, they were just all over the place. They'd come, like, right into your camp sometimes. Well, oh. my wife uh, was still teaching at the time, and uh, she had to finish out her school week, and then she was going to come down and join us. So my friend got this great idea that he was going to lure a skunk into camp uh, so that the skunk just walked in and scared my wife and all this. Well, so he takes, like, baked beans and he, like, makes a little trail from where we were seeing the skunk a lot, like, back into camp. And uh, my wife comes in and sits down, and we're sitting around the fire. And then next thing you know, the skunk comes in and sits right under his chair. And it was, like, sitting there with its tail up, like, fluffing around and stuff. And he held his legs out at a at a straight thing, like, held his legs just straight and didn't move at all. <laughs> and the skunk was just going crazy under his chair, like, just rolling around and, like, oh my God. tail, like, just butt up in the air, everything, for, like, an hour. <laughs> Did he ever get sprayed? No, no. He just sat there and, like, there were beads of sweat on his forehead and stuff. I I don't like skunks at all. I mean, I can't stand them because if if anybody's ever encountered one in the woods, you will you will know that it does not smell like the roadkill you drive by. No. And if you've ever had a dog that got yeah, sprayed by one, you would, know, you would not... I mean, they're evil. Uh, you want another? That, that, you want another funny that is the uh, worst, skunk story? That is the worst. What? So uh, they're out. Uh, we're out pheasant hunting. Okay, and I'm gonna change names to protect the innocent. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're we're. Uh, it was just a few years ago, and like, you know, I'm like older. You know, no monkey business. I just want to kill the pheasant and eat it, right? And I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be like you know, like hip-shotting them and stuff. Well, this younger guy's along, and he's, like, a lot younger. He's, like, 15 years younger. And so he's all full of piss and vinegar and all this. And uh, he thinks there's a... We come along, and we see this rustling and this thing of weeds, and the dog is on point, and this guy is, like, looking, and he's like, oh, I know there's a pheasant in there. And we're like, yeah, there probably is. He goes, I'm going to jump on it and get it. And he creeps up on this on this bush that's or it's like a clump of little blue stem that's like rustling around. He creeps up on it <coughs> and he dives onto it, and a skunk oh. is in there, and it just lit oh. him up from head to toe, oh. just all up in his mouth, in his eyes. It went in his ears, up his nose, like everywhere, oh. and it was like just all over him. <laughs> oh. And he, he had to throw his he had to throw his clothes away. Like, oh, it was so oh. bad, and it was all up in his mouth. <laughs> you know, he was going to be you know, like had... Mr. Super Hunter and, like, kill a pheasant with a knife or something. <laughs> well, I had a, I had a, um, I think I told the story about the fellow with the, uh, that killed, uh, or that, that hates porcupines and he fell yeah, on yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I was talking to him the other day, and this fall, 
actually, I, I, at deer camp, I heard this story a couple times. Uh, he hunts bears. Okay. With, with dogs. He's a big, he loves doing that. He, that's the, like his, I, that's his, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it because he gets in such a euphoric state when he's, when he's doing that. Yeah. It's like Moby well, Dick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he, you don't, up here, you don't always get a bear tag. Okay. So if you're a bear hunter, you know, you're, you'll be lucky to get a bear tag maybe once every five years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the rest of the time, you're providing dogs for somebody else to kill the bear. Right. Okay. So, um, so you can't be the shooter. Right. You, you have the dogs, you're the dog handler, and, you, and he's, and, and, and this fella is, he is uh, a true, and, and I, I say this with the most, with the utmost respect. He is a true redneck. <laughs> I mean, he is funny. He is a blast to be around. He is always saying funny things. He is, he is just a lot of fun to be around. Right. And and uh, and so he loves to do this bear hunting thing, you know. So he's up in the UP, and he, uh, uh, somehow or another, he. And his dogs got separated from the shooter mm-hmm. somehow or another, and it was uh, something to do with um, he could not carry a gun because he was not a tag holder. Right. So his dogs get the bear, and they're fighting with it. Oh boy! And the shooter is nowhere to be found. So John is worried that his dogs are starting to get torn up. Mm-hmm. You know, because an angry bear fighting back a black bear is mean. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No matter how small they are, how big they are, mean. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a fairly good sized bear, and it's it's doing damage to his dogs now. And he and he he's like, my shooter is not around. I'm I don't know what to do. So he starts fighting with the bear. <laughs> I mean, he punched it a couple times trying to get the dogs away. You know, trying to get the bear to release the dog. So he takes out his K bar. Oh man! And he stabs it. And he continued to stab it until the damn bear died. Oh, my gosh. So he killed a bear with a knife. Did he get all cut up and stuff? No, he never got a mark on him. Huh. Never got a mark. Blood. He had blood all over him, but I guess he never got a mark on him. But he stabbed the hell out of that bear until it died. That's hardcore. I think it was a K-bar. Pretty sure it was a... a, Like uh, the USMC standard issue. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think that's what it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to get the exact specs on it. And Ben, my future son-in-law, was saying, you know, you probably ought to have him on your podcast and have him tell that story. He said because he would probably, uh, you would probably laugh when he tells the story. <laughs> yeah. he'd, lo- he'd probably love to do that. We but. we got to get some guests. You know, I got I got I told you I um um <laughs> LT from. LT Wright Knives is uh-huh. going to come on after the first of the year. Good. And I, Did I tell you that? Huh. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I had a conversation with him the other day, and he would like to three-way Skype with us. Sweet. With And, and send us the the uh, uh, the audio so that we can cut it in so we cannot lose any... Any quality. Any video, any quality. Yeah. And he said he'd love to do that. He, think it, he thinks it would be a lot of fun to, to come on and talk about his knife designs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we could dedicate an hour to that. Oh, easy. Yeah, just new new people. 
And yep. um, I'm and Tim Zawada, I haven't heard back from him. I don't know what's going on with him. Huh. He's probably busy making razors or something. Well, I know um, when I come up there, we'll do another remote with uh, Mike and the gang. Okay. Okay. For sure. Yep. Yep. That sounds great. Now, you think you're coming up Friday? Uh, it's not going to be next weekend, um, no matter what, because on Sunday, my sister from Texas is coming up. Oh? So, yeah, I've got to host a little family. Where does she live in Texas? Uh, out out in the middle of nowhere. She used to live in the Dallas area, but her husband got some job driving truck for uh, the oil industry out. I think I think it's like near Midland or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she lives down there. Now, what does she do? She's a... Uh, well, she's a mom right now, but she's had different jobs off and on. She's a mom. Yeah. That's a that's a very noble job. Well, that's what my wife is. Ain't nothing wrong with yep. it. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So anyway. All right, well listen, um you have anything else? I mean what anything you want to cover? Uh no. Give oh, a- the the knife giveaway. I almost forgot. Oh, so I'm we're giving in a giving away a BK11. I uh, closed down the entries um, just yesterday because I said I'd let it run till Christmas Eve. And so on the knifejournal.com and the forums under general, there's a thread in there called Becker BK11 giveaway, and uh, there's eight entrants. And I just so happen to have an eight-sided die from back when I was a <laughs> little Dungeons and Dragons playing Goober in the eighties there. Um little Dorcas. And I'm gonna I'm gonna roll this and, and we're gonna see what number comes up and hopefully the our podcast listeners will be able to hear this. It's a four. And so the fourth response in there is by um let's see, who is it? One, two, three, four. P. Vaness, V-A-N-N-E-S-S, has now won a brand new, in the box, never used, never looked at, BK11. And so he, I'll uh, exchange some info with him, and and I'll be sending that on his way. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Did I tell you I got a, a, a tactical taco? Yeah, I saw a the Mag pictures Punch. on Facebook. Yeah, so I've got this new thing, like... Um, Jim's got this, uh, tactical taco by like high speed gear or whatever. <laughs> and it's a, so it's a magazine holder for your, um, for your AR. And, uh, the, the best thing is uh, on these auto otter boxes for your iPhone, they, um, the clips break on them and then you've just got an otter box, which is fine. I, for a long time, I've just been carrying it in my, my, my pocket, but I kind of like to have it on my belt there. So like, now I've got this uh, sacred object of hippies, the iPhone, you know. Like, hippies just love iPhones. And what do hippies absolutely hate? ARs and black rifles. <laughs> so I'm, I'm carrying their, their sacred object in a, in a black rifle case on my belt. And it just drives them bonkers. Although we don't. Yeah, those are, the, they actually work quite well. Yeah. That's, that's, I, it's, uh, it's the way to carry it. I mean, if, if after your OtterBox clip breaks, um, just take the whole OtterBox thing and just shove it down into one of those tactical tacos and rock and roll. Yep, yep. It used to be I used a 5.11 case like that. Okay. Um, and uh, I used it with a BlackBerry. Uh-huh. But the problem is is that the that case will no longer fit. 
It might fit a that might fit an iPhone without a case. Yeah, but that's a that's like stuffing a fortune cookie in there. iPhone yeah. without a case is a fortune cookie. Yeah. Now you have a you have a uh, which case do you did you put on yours? The is Otter, it a light Otter case? box. It's like their, that the, it's their strong one. It's not the um. Turn it the other. It's not turn it it's not waterproof, but it's uh it's just a okay. Otter box and it's it's more shockproof than it is waterproof. Yeah, and that's the problem with the that is the problem with the i products, the iPhone, the iPad, the iPod Touch, mm-hmm. any of those things. The glass goes right to the edge. Mm-hmm. And so when you drop them, no matter which way it lands, it hits an edge and you crack the screen. Yeah. Very, very fragile. Yeah. Um, I put a life-proof case on my iPad. Uh-huh. And I really like it. Now, I, my my iPod, I put another brand, and, I, and it's not waterproof, but it's bulletproof uh-huh. on my iPod, tu- my iPod Touch. Um, but... Anyways, that's a whole nother story. We gotta, we gotta get. I gotta go. That's snow plowing to do. Yeah, and, and I got company over pretty quick here, so places to go, people to see, things to do. Yeah. Um, listen, I want to, I want to wish you and your family a very, very Christmas. And you and yours um, and our audience and everybody, and and everybody, and, yep, and everybody out there listening and uh, keep tuning in. We appreciate it. Keep sending your letters to us. We appreciate it. Podcast at knifejournal.com. Um. And uh, if we have any questions, concerns, comments, let us have it. You know, we're 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 big boys, and we can take criticism. If you don't like what we're saying, we don't. You know, I can't um, guarantee we're gonna care. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I do. I I do care. I'm a I'm I'm a very caring individual. Well, and if if we didn't if we didn't care about offending our audience, we would have left in the Phil Robertson stuff. You know, yeah. So we do yeah. care, but if like you're if you're if you got some unreasonable complaint like, uh, well, like Silvio or no, it's uh, his name is Furio, on The Sopranos. He he always used to say no bitch to me. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you no, have some, you know crank, what? Even if you get, even if you got something really, you want to like we really really irritated the hell out of you and you really need to vent, um, send it. Yeah, I want to we'll hear just, that. We'll just fucking make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, you know, we try to we try to take care oh, well, of our audience and all of that. Yeah, I think you should that, have a giveaway. I'm, what I'm do you challenging want me to give you. Away? I'll give you. I'll give something away. Let me let me find something and I'll give it. We'll away. announce it the I'll next make, podcast. Maybe maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get something off of these uh, these city boys uh, website. Best made. You're gonna pay like yeah. a butt ton of money for that. Eh, you know what? I'll tell you what, you know what, that wool shawl neck sweater coat thing looks freaking awesome. I wonder who makes that. That is really cool. The wool pullover. Huh. Well, um, I'm I'm challenging you to do a giveaway. All right. <laughs> and I'll do all the next right. one. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give something away. All right. I like this pullover. Why don't you buy me one of these for Christmas? Let me look. I, I'm not seeing it. Clothing. Oh, yeah, that, that is pretty nice. <laughs> I, yeah, I would like the. Um, well, get, look at what I've got on. We see that new that New Yorker right there. Yeah, with a cowboy hat on. Oh yeah, they, they go to a certain kind of bar dressed like that, and it's like the village people. So <laughs> no, but uh, no, look at what I wear. 
I, I always have a zip-up cardigan <coughs> in the winter. Zip-up wool cardigan. And they're actually hey, very hard to find, believe it or did not. Did you – you know what? Did you – um? you probably didn't see this. Um, I have a – do you have an anorak? Uh, I don't, you know, but the Canadians are just crazy about those things. You know, I have a – You mean a, the pullover um, ones, I got right? A, yeah, they're, it's, it's made out of, like, duck canvas. Yeah. And it's not – it's – it's not heavy like a. Oh, I know what I'm getting you. Like a tent. I'm, it's like a. I know exactly like what a, I'm getting you. What's that? The shearling wool vest. Scroll down. I have one. No, scroll one. down and look at this one. <laughs> it's 375 bucks. I, I do like I do like that pullover. I, I do, well, I like the pullover, but this wool vest, if you want to know where you can see one of those, only I don't think it was zipped. I think it was buttoned as uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'm I'm doubting that he paid 375 bucks for that. You know, I used to have one like that. That's cool. I, I, that I is a to, cool I vest. To, but. I used to have one like that, uh-huh. and I left it in my dorm room. Oh, you and did? Somebody, and somebody stole it. Yeah, I I have one that my dad gave me probably five five years ago um, that I do wear actually underneath my canvas anorak. Cool. And it's it's probably half again as thick as that. Huh. And it, and it's got buttons. It doesn't have zippers on it. That's cool. And it is it is. Um, I'll show it to you next time you come up here. It is unbelievable how how warm it is. I mean it's it is pure and. Anybody out there that has not tried some of the old school uh, clothing, such as shearling or wool, or um, and they're and they're all into these new synth- modern synthetics that catch on fire and melt to your skin and shit, uh, you ought to really try some of that, some of this old school stuff because you know wool blankets, wool cloaks, wool. Um, I mean, I have a, a, a Filson wool coat, double Mackinac wool coat that. When you wear it, when it's 22 below zero, you are not cold. Yeah. Well, and like uh, wool pants, <clears throat> wool like pants, you cannot yep. beat, you cannot beat nope. those. If you do several layers, like I'll do a couple synthetic layers next to the skin and then the wool pants on the outside, you're good to go. That's what? good. And is then that, if you put a, your... a, a shell on the outside, you know, it's even better. <coughs> now, I wear, I will wear <coughs> um, a layer of cotton underwear. And and uh, and wool pants, and with with some kind of a knee wool knee sock. Yeah, 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 yeah and, definitely wool. Uh, I wear and, wool even in the freaking jungle for socks. That's the yep, that's the material yep. there. Yep, yep. But anyways, these anoraks are really cool. I don't even know where they're hard to find. I think that's the that's the issue why you don't see a lot of them. Um, but mine, I have a military one that's white, and I have a military one that's that's um. Uh, OD green, yeah, and a military one that's that's the old three color um, camouflage. Okay. And my wife, my wife wears the white one. Uh, I mean, she when we go um, cross country skiing or or um, uh, snowshoeing, she, that's what she wears uh-huh. all the time. Now, I was wearing mine the other day when it was real cold. Yeah. And I I was cutting wood and stuff with it on. So I mean, but it's but it's real nice. I mean, it's it sheds. I mean, obviously, it's not waterproof. Yeah. But it, when it's real cold, people don't realize this. You don't get wet in the snow. 
When it's, yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. below zero, you don't get wet. There's, you can wear cotton and it does not absorb. Yeah, there's an exact temperature, and I forget what um, temperature it is that um, when it's when it's in the snow, you transition from um, wet snow to dry snow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I can't remember what the temperature <coughs> is, but when you're in dry snow, you can wear moccasins if you've got right. enough insulation and your feet aren't going to get wet. Right. And that's well, the, and that's and like a you below need to have zero something situation. But you need to have something on the bottom because the shit is still slippery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, just, I wear, as, just as I wear an example, moccasins, you know, I wear moccasins a lot, and and um, uh, I I think I showed you the kind that I wear. Yeah, I have and, them, and I have a, a pair of Carl Dyer Dyers too that I really like. But you cannot wear them very much in the wintertime without putting some kind of a some kind of pine tit pitch or something like that on the bottom of them. Uh-huh. Because they're they're slippery. I mean, you'll be on your ass in no time. Yeah. Well, I hunted. I mean, I hunted pheasant this year in mine. Yeah. Yeah, but great. there's no snow. Yeah, yeah. But there's no snow. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not arguing to wear them in the snow. I'm just saying, as an yeah. example, you can wear whatever you want, and your feet aren't going to yep. get wet. Um, right. If exactly. you're if you're interested in uh, what we're talking about with a canvas anorak, Duluth Pack makes one, and I've seen a lot of guys um, that are in kind of the northern bushcrafty type stuff you know they wear their um buckskin pants and their anorak like that i don't make fun of that i like i, 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 like I love them I, I just the the reason i haven't <coughs> bought one is like uh i don't like the feeling of pulling them off over my head yeah because i've, I've actually a, worn them before but i just don't like that that feeling as much what i what i wear underneath that is i i usually will wear my felson vest I have a, a Filson Mackinac vest, uh-huh. and then I have a, a really thin wool-rich jacket. Okay. It's it's not it's real thin. It's 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 uh it's almost it's like a fall like a fall wool. Yeah. Um, because I have a I have a, a wool-rich uh cape or I have a um a Filson cape coat. Okay. That I wear a lot, but it's but that's too thick to wear under my anorak. So then I wear this real thin wool rich jacket and I'll put that anorak over me. And if I'm doing like a lot of physical work outside, I'll, it, I'll break a sweat with it. Yeah. And, um, but, but like if you're like cross country skiing or you're, um, snowshoeing or something like that, um, it's, a, it's just a nice, you have, a, you have good physical movement. You have, uh, I mean, it's just a nice way to, a nice way to go. Yep, and uh, it's the it's the layer concept. Yeah, you know, and it's that that's kind of the classic proven northern outdoor wear. There, all of all our poles were were explored by people wearing this kind of stuff. Yep, the Mad Trapper wore that. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to watch that movie, uh, that Charles <laughs> Bronson movie, Death Hunt. <clears throat> Is that the one where they're chasing him across the mountains? Yeah, and that's a true story. That's that's the real yeah. deal there. That you he, can read he all broke about up him. a dog fight. He broke up a dog fight well, or something like that. It, opinions vary on that part, but the the true story is that they chased this guy and he went like some crazy distance just on snowshoes, and he right. eluded the whole Canadian military for like a long time. The mounted the Mounties. Yep. And then uh, but, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, you know the the problem with the synthetics is around a campfire. If if a little <laughs> b- b- ember blows off the campfire and lands on your four hundred dollar North Face coat, you're not going to be too happy about that. Don't ask me how I know that. 
Yeah, it gets burn holes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they get burn holes. Yep. Anyways, well, listen, we got to go. Yep, yep. Um, let's uh, keep your keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. All right. And uh, join us join us next time, and I'll have some kind of a cool giveaway next time we do one. I'll uh, I'm, I'm, I'll try not to give away something that I've used. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll find something that uh, that we all uh, will like, and uh, and give it away. Cool. All right. Signing off, sir. All right. We'll catch you next time. On the flip-flop. Take care. Yep, bye. Bye.